Welcome, everyone, to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type, and then we report back the results to each other and you fine listeners. My name is Aaron Spears. And I'm Mike Went. This episode's challenge is Blaxploitation, Volume 2, Part 2, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> well, there are so many gems that, you know, from the last episode that uh, are, you know, ones that still, I think, are on my cinematic uh, uh, lists that I just, or blind spots, uh, the cinematic blind spots that uh, I felt that this would be a good uh, episode to tackle for a Volume 2. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that was uh, all the way back, episode six, for those who want to go and uh, do their own little audio double feature there. I guess it's probably worth noting then, you know, we our, our main picks for that one were Coffee from 73 and Original Gangsters from 96. So those are, are off the table for this round. Yeah. But, I feel uh, like I was slightly, uh, just by uh, a couple people my pick was a little too unconventional. So I had to, <laughs> I had, you know, cause it was too new. It was like 96, you know, like that, that wasn't a proper oh, sure. exploitation film. So <laughs> um, I think hopefully I've righted my wrongs from last episode. Well, we will be judging you harshly on these, uh, these picks on this episode <laughs> that Mike to make sure. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess there is kind of like a window for when, I guess you would traditionally say black exploitation, you know, became a genre, was a genre, made a whole bunch of bank for a whole bunch of people, created stars. You know, it it, it was an era. But um, actually, I think I have a note. I do have a note in uh, one of my honorable mentions that I think will uh, maybe quiet some of those naysayers that you heard in person, <laughs> because in, in doing some research on one of my, my honorable mentions, I was like, I ran across original gangsters for an interesting. Yeah. So um, it's there, but also um, it's got so many of the actors back like it's awesome like i went back and watched it um i, I hadn't seen it when we did that episode i've seen it yeah. since it was like yeah absolutely like they're they're making like you know it's as much a black exploitation movie as i don't know as to say jackie brown is like it's it's sure. like an homage but also a lot of the elements um as well yeah um so yeah i don't know just because it started and has a heyday doesn't mean it's not uh not a genre anymore i mean people still make film noirs right oh exactly so, exactly yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. The purists, like there is an era when I think black exploitation. I, you know, I want some film grain and some, uh, you know, seventies funk soundtrack in the seventies. So that's fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what, uh, what inspired aside from a lot of cinematic blind spots in this genre for both of us, what, uh, what inspired you to, uh, want to revisit a a part two right now for black exploitation? Well, yeah, this was partially inspired by the fact that our local beloved Cleveland Cinematheque uh, recently showed a um, in honor of Jim Brown, who, uh, of course, is uh, a famous Cleveland Brown, uh, but, you know, also an action star in his own right. Um, They recently played a film called Slaughter that he was in in 1972. Mm -hmm. Um, And I uh, so I. I went with a, a local filmmaker, Robert Banks, who who's been on the show, of course, before, and uh, he is, uh, you know, we there was not a huge crowd, but the crowd who was there was really into, yeah. <laughs> into the movie, and I just I kind of like pictured myself like, oh my gosh, if I was this age back in in the seventies, mm-hmm. you know, 
I I probably would have loved to just go to those to to like hear the crowd reactions and stuff, you know, because obviously, you know, when when with the right people, those movies can be amazingly fun. Um, You know, even if some of the maybe some of the language is a little outdated, maybe some (laughs) uh, maybe some of the uh, the nudity is explicit and in some of the uh, you know, you can tell sometimes maybe the budget limitations, but. Um, you know, the fact that it gave so many different, uh, people who probably up to that point didn't have a ton of opportunities, uh, you know, to, to have their, their moment to shine is like, uh, you know, it's just shows how, how vast, you know, this, this kind of time period was like, of and how deep it was of like how many films you got. Oh, absolutely. It's. Well, it's the exploitation part of the name, right? The portmanteau yeah. that is black exploitation. Like you're going to have some of that, like you know, leering camera and uh, you know, obligatory nudity. Even we're like, Does it, you didn't really need nudity in this scene. Well, yeah, well, that's what we're doing here, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was uh, a little shocked uh, to hear that Jim Brown had passed away back in I think it was in mid May. Yeah, this past it was, year, yeah, earlier this um, year, yeah. But also part of the shock was the fact that he made it to 87 years old. Yeah. You just don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a sports guy, so maybe I'm completely talking out of my ass here, but like that's especially football, like the era of football he was in too, without like some of the more advancements in padding and, yes. um, you know, protection of the human brain and all of that, like uh, going to 87 um, and also, you know, having his wits about him um, through to the end there was I was like, oh my God, that's not how you see professional football players make it. Granted, um, I don't remember when he left football, but I remember it being like, just because, again, we're locally, we're Cleveland here. Uh, yeah. There's a certain hatred for a former Browns owner. And that was the reason why uh, Jim Brown, instead of retiring in a year or two, he was just like, fuck it, I'm done uh, while making the yeah. dirty dozen. <clears throat> so it, it's possible he got out before, you know, maybe he, he would have sustained, you know, worse injuries or something. I don't know how that would work, but. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely correct because a lot of, especially because he was a running back and a lot of running backs, oh, uh, yeah. have C, you know, CTE or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that brain damage um, that, uh, you know, that unfortunately that so many players have, and it does cause a lot of early deaths, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I read that story too about how, uh, you know, he was offered this role and he just, Basically, you know, it's like he asked he asked the Browns to just have all right, just you know, let me have a little bit of time off, and they they said no. So he was like, "All right, I'm done." Right, <laughs> oh yeah, God. or I think it was gonna like they threatened to fine him or something, and then yeah. like, and it wasn't like some upstart guy you'd never heard of. They're just given a chance on the team. Like if Jim Brown's in your team, you're the you're Jim Brown's team now. Like it's what you yeah. <laughs> it's it's what they were. Um, so I was like, well, all right, kudos to him. He, uh, you know, wasn't taking any shit from anybody. And obviously, <laughs> uh, I, as film geeks, I'm very glad cause he went on to have, uh, just a fantastically interesting, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> um, so the, the other thing I, I was kind of curious about since we're revisiting a topic, um, to do a volume two here, aside from what inspired the revisit, what, what is it? within the genre is there anything within the genre that you're looking for as we're diving in a little deeper on a second look here um i was kind of looking for um i wanted to i wanted to kind of shake it up a little bit you know to to give i wanted like a female-led movie uh you know to, to at least to see that to explore that and uh 
and now there's already like three that I want to watch uh, yeah. <laughs> based on, on the searches. Uh, but then I, I also wanted to just kind of find um, – I'm, I'm always just curious uh, because I'm helping uh, a friend to kind of budget out a, a feature that is uh, – he's trying to make it for uh, what probably would have been a black exploitation um, budget, you know, about $15,000. Okay. and. Yeah. I'm just always curious in seeing ones that are made for, for low amounts and just seeing what they were able to do. And um, so my eventual pick that, that I'll talk about uh, was made for the, the budget was $50,000. Oh, and, nice. Okay. Um, so it's like, and I'm kind of like back then, like that probably would have been like equivalent to like, I don't know, like 150, 200. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not a mathematician, but uh <laughs> But no, I, I'm kind of curious about how inventiveness um, yeah. can sometimes get these movies made. Well, especially in the era that we are in now where a large chunk of the budget. Sorry, let me reword that. If you go back to like the early 70s when these films were like were originated and a lot of them were made, you know, a large chunk of that expense was just like the physical like exposing of film and film cameras and the equipment. Yeah. Whereas not necessarily that your friend's going to do that, but like you can film a movie with a phone in your pocket at this point. Like it, that's not a cost prohibitive uh, bit of technology anymore. Um, so yeah, that's, that's gotta be a different way to be creative with the money as well. Um, Absolutely. I actually kind of did a very similar selection process. Um, so I was kind of doing that kind of uh, word cloud brainstorming, just, you know, writing shit on a piece of paper. Like, like, what do I think? <laughs> like, what am I looking for? And I'm like, Oh, black exploitation film. You've never seen. What are you looking for? And, I always go probably just because it's like ingrained in my head that it's uh, it's the Pam Greer genre. Yeah. Because um, I thought of, you know, like Foxy Brown and Coffee growing up and seeing those early on as a kid um, or not kid, like, you know, teen or whatever, going to the video store. Like that's that's that was my image of of black exploitation. Um, you know, you get uh, female leads like, you know, ass kicking, you know, action stars now coming out <laughs> of of, you know, lower budget Hollywood that you weren't getting. um previous to black exploitation, whether it's Cleopatra Jones or Pam, Gre you know? Um, so I was like, all right, well, I want to find a female led black exploitation film that I haven't seen as well. Um, so I did do that one. And then the other one was, I tend to think of black exploitation films as very like, you know, urban set. And then specifically in the seventies, probably like Northern cities, you know, I'm picturing like a yeah. Chicago or Detroit, like even Detroit 9,000 cotton comes to Harlem set up in Harlem. Um, I guess there's some LA, you've got like the, the LA rebellion and the Jama Fanaka's films and things like that. But I was like, I want something in the South. So I found yeah, one that was, yeah. um, Southern set as well, uh, which, which ended up being kind of interesting. Um, and then man, did I stumble on some gold from, from my main pick. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, uh, to share that one, but, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of fun to go in. Cause like it, it made me go in a little bit deeper and, and pick some very specific ones. Also, I had some time off last week, so I, I was able to watch more than my usual amount of, <laughs> of stuff in prep. So, Hey, you know, if you got, got free time, we're going to dig in a little bit deeper here, but, um, yeah. Uh, well, what's, uh, what's one of your, uh, your honorable mentions, Mike for black exploitation volume two. Yeah. So one of my honorable mentions is, um, this one was, uh, an, an actress I had not really heard of, but she just looks so familiar when I, when I press play. Okay. Uh, but her name is uh, Janine Bell. And she was at one time, she was a, a, a playboy uh, centerfold, uh, but she's in a movie called TNT Jackson, um, 
which uh, <laughs> was a really, uh, you know, it's a short movie. It's probably about a, like an hour and 10 minutes, but okay. it really gets right to the point. Uh, this woman is uh, she's go- she goes to Hong Kong uh, to look for her missing brother and she gets caught up with um, a uh, a character. Well, she's with this guy, uh, Stan Shaw, who's uh, he's a character actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff um, like, you know, he's one of those like, oh, that guy uh, kind, of, kind, kind of person. <laughs> uh, but um, it, this one's almost like, kind of like a mashup it, where it's like it's black exploitation, but it's also kind of uh, like a, a Kung Fu Chopsaki type movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it has uh, has some really fun um, fight sequences, uh, has a you know quite a bit of, of nudity at one point where uh, where the guy that um, you know, that she's kind of partnered with, you know, mm-hmm. they, they basically have a quick, you know, little fling, but then all of a sudden she, she learns that, you know, she's, he's pretty much the reason why uh, her brother is missing. <laughs> so it leads to like a really uh, kind of gory uh, end. And it just, it's like, there was no credits. It was just the end. Boom. Like one hour, 10 minutes done. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a quick digestible watch. Oh, yeah. Uh but uh you know really funky soundtrack. Uh I I don't know. It it, it was a lot of fun. And that uh was this one of your the uh the Tubi discoveries or was it where did you This was a Tubi discovery okay. definitely. Uh right. you know Tubi uh to the rescue for oh, yeah. for this it, it's become you know, just this, uh, this kind of haven for genre films, I think, you know, like I, I never see, I could never see like Netflix, like <laughs> having no, a, no. <laughs> a section of movies like this, maybe Amazon prime. Cause Amazon prime's kind of deep. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Uh, but, uh, but Tubi is, is really, uh, fast becoming, you know, my favorite, maybe one of my, if not my favorite you know, one of the favorite uh, streaming services just because a it's free. I mean, you might have to watch a couple ads every now and then, but yeah. uh, you know, maybe Tubi will sponsor us. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't want to seem like a shill, but uh, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's I you know, and like I said, it's free. <laughs> and it's like that, that video store deep dive of stuff. Where you're like, wait, what is that? Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic. Uh, well, let me piggyback off that because I have also I went with a, uh, you know, uh, a female lead, a female centered uh, film. And I, I not Pam Greer. <laughs> I, you know, I went a uh, different direction, although she will come up at some point here. Um, I went with one called Sugar Hill from 1974. Now that we just had sung the praise of Tubi. I feel like I watched this one on YouTube, uh, but it okay. stars uh, Marky Bay, who I didn't. I'd looked her up. I don't believe she has any uh, centerfold credentials, um, <laughs> but you know that doesn't necessarily hurt in the in the black exploitation or the exploitation realm if they do. So Sugar Hills from '74. It's from director Paul uh, Maslansky. When I was looking him up on Letterboxd, it was his only feature film credit. So I was like, well, all right, this is the the one. I mean, maybe maybe went in TV or something. I'm not sure because uh, Letterboxd didn't didn't have any other credits listed. But yeah, it, it falls into kind of that similar similar tropes within black exploitation, especially if you have a female centered one. And I think Pam Greer really kicked it off with um, uh, coffee and with Foxy Brown. 
I think between Coffee and Foxy Brown, usually there's a revenge element. You know, somebody's either missing or dead, and then the female lead is out for revenge or seeking out, you know, that person on a quest like the one you just described here uh, with TNT Jackson. In this particular case, uh, Sugar Hill is her character name. Diana Sugar is her nickname. Hill goes by Sugar Hill. She's a photographer in Houston whose boyfriend, who's a nightclub owner, uh, has been killed by a mob boss because he wouldn't sell uh, his club to the mob boss. So she's like, I'm out for revenge. The reason I picked this one, though, is because of, well, because you have Marky Bay as the star here. So, again, strong uh, female lead performance um, in an action black exploitation movie. But it's also a horror black exploitation movie because there's a zombie element to this one. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, this is kind of wrapping up some more uh, interesting genres in here. Of course, it's uh, American International Pictures, you know, AIP here. Oh, yeah. Uh, doing this one. This is after they did Blackula and after they did Scream, Blackula, Scream which co-stars Pam Greer. Uh, I think they were like, oh, you know, the, the horror element can be wrapped up in here in an interesting way. Let's go ahead. So it's, again, it's that kind of, I want revenge, female-led black exploitation movie, but she teams up with a guy who's a, I think he's billed as like a voodoo lord, they call him or something. <laughs> and so he raises an army of the dead, uh, army of zombies in order to uh, get revenge on the uh, gangsters that killed her her um, her boyfriend. But it's it's kind of an interesting um, zombie twist because it's not as of 1974. You have Night of Living Dead, like there's a different era of zombies that are around for films. But this goes back to more of a 30s, 40s, you know, black and white horror film version of zombies because there's voodoo mixed in and everything. So um, is it great? Not really. But is it what it promises in in whatever every everything I just mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in kind of a black exploitation horror zombie hybrid, um, it's it's kind of uh, I don't know. Not, I'm not I laughed a lot, but I don't I, I wasn't making fun of it. It was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe what they're doing on this budget and how much fun this is. Yeah. No, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah, that, one, uh, that one's a lot of fun. Uh, budget, just because you mentioned it, I did uh, did a quick look up three hundred fifty thousand dollars, which isn't a ton of money, but it's it's, you know. I don't know what the average would be for black exploitation films. I feel like that's kind of in the average ballpark for AIP, at least uh, maybe a touch yeah. high. But like I said, they were coming off of Blackula and Scream, Blackula, Scream. So like, oh, we can market this to a certain certain audience that's up for black exploitation horror in 1974. Yeah. So this one, uh, the next one that I have yeah. uh, to to springboard off of that is another okay. AIP film. And uh, this one was made for two hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Uh, but it's uh it it stars Pam Greer and right. it's called Black Mama White Mama. Uh, <laughs> that is an exploitation title. <laughs> yes, uh, which is uh, uh, so. And I have to be fully transparent. I didn't get through the whole thing of this, but I got through most of it, and there was enough here to <laughs> uh, to warrant the uh, the honorable mention. But uh, but basically, uh, you know, Pam Greer and uh, this other woman this white woman, um, they are, um, sent to this prison and, uh, they're, they're chained together basically, uh, you know, with handcuffs and everything. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they, they do manage to escape, but they are still (laughs) like throughout the whole movie, you know, they're pretty much, um, chained together and, uh, they, they don't like each other. Uh, you know, they butt heads a lot, but eventually they do kind of come together so they can, uh, you know, go against, uh, the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, this kind of shootout that happens. And, 
Um, so like I said, I didn't get to finish the whole thing, but, um, there was it, part of the reason I should have seen this before is, uh, you know, one time I worked on a, one of the 48 hour film projects where you have two, two days to make a short film. Yeah. And we, the thing that we pulled was called film to femme. So it was, you had to make a female, centric movie and the the person who wrote the script had just watched this movie so nice (laughs) so our two characters were chained the whole time and so it almost we made it almost like a uh a black exploitation trailer uh which i think kind of disqualified us from winning certain awards but we did we did win the award for best use of prop, which was a, a blender. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting but, uh, a blender direction there. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> but, um, you know, th- this one just kind of has, uh, it has kind of zippy dial, you know, snappy dialogue, especially uh, from Pam Greer. It has mm. a ton of nudity. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot. And, yeah. uh, but, uh, but I, I found it to be, uh, really enjoyable. And I, you know, I can't wait to finish the whole thing. So. This one, I always wanted us to show as part of our cult film lineup when I was working at the art house <laughs> theater so much so that I even made, um, uh, a DCP of the trailer and we, I would play it before, uh, some of those movies, especially when we had a good crowd. Cause like the trailer goes over like gangbusters are like, yes, we should show this movie. Um, and we never did, but, um, I do, uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but, um, if I remember correctly, I think it's uh, Sid Haig is the bad guy or one of the bad guys in this one. You're right. You are correct. And there is a, it, it has a great, great, uh, great climax. It's a great third act payoff. Uh, quite violent, if I remember correctly, but just like, oh, my God, this is exactly where I thought this movie would lead me to. And it's so much fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, that's a really good one. My last honorable mention is called Bucktown from oh. 1975 is this one you've seen this was on my short list oh yes. okay so this one is where i say you are vindicated and going with original gangsters uh in our previous flexibilization <laughs> one because this one stars fred williamson one of his great and he's got a lot of great character names but this character name this one is duke johnson <laughs> not the guy who will kick the shit out of you <laughs> uh duke johnson um he borrowed very heavily from this plot when he was making original gangsters. Okay. So it's the, um, uh, the, the basic premise here is, is, is Duke, uh, arrives in town in, in Bucktown. Uh, it's a town in the South. This was my, my Southern black exploitation when I picked. Um, so he arrives in town to bury his brother. His brother ran like a, a nightclub kind of bar and, uh, has recently died. So, you uh you get him arriving in town he sees how like racist as fuck the cops are and they're shaking out people for money and it's just a corrupt uh corrupt corrupt town so his solution to that is he realizes he doesn't have any real workarounds because he just wants to like shut down the bar uh, or sell i forget how it ends up working there but anyway he he can't open the bar without paying off the cops uh he can't just like settle his brother's business and get out of town and go back home um so he's like all right fine so he calls up some gangster buddies to come down and get rid of the cops you're like all right that's that's one way to go but then of course the gangsters are um uh you know like oh you know what 
we could probably run this town ourselves. So they start to run this town themselves. It's like, damn it, this is the same problem, just different people. So now in order to prevent this, Duke has to fight off um, the this guy, Roy, that he calls into town and his whole gang uh, on his own. Pam Greer is in it and she's billed as a co-star and she's on the poster and she's like second build because, you know, she's Pam Greer in 1975 making a exploitation yeah. movie. Um, it's kind of, I thought it was kind of a thankless role. Um, I think she's like a town, I think she, uh, she's one of the prostitutes around town. She's kind of in and out here and there. Um, Arthur Marks directed this movie. And I think what's really going on here is you've got uh, Pam Greer coming off of Coffee and Foxy Brown back to back year by year. And then this year, 75, is when she's starring in Friday Foster, which Marks also directs. So I don't know if it was sure. like show up for a few days and co-star in this movie. Um, I'm sure it's a okay paycheck. Um, actually, <laughs> I think it's an another AIP one. So maybe it's not an okay. It's a paycheck. <laughs> um, but it's um, you get Carl Weathers in here a little bit, too, for anybody okay. who's been, uh, you know, watched Black Exploitation or Arrested Development fans. Um, recognize Carl Weathers in there. It does have an extended, extended uh, knockdown, drag out fight, fist fight at the end of the movie with uh, Fred Williamson. Not quite rivaling They Live, but it like goes on. This fight scene goes on for a while, like through different areas. And you're like, damn, this is just still going. Um, and so that was really fun. And you get this kind of more of like a Southern kind of like that in the heat of the night vibe where like it's just all kind of like a little hotter and muggier and just it has like a kind of a different look to it than just your your typical kind of like set in chicago or detroit or new york city kind of ones yeah. um, also just because it has i mean the name of the town's bucktown this is not a big town <laughs> um, you know is what it is um but no it's this one is uh i thought it was kind of a lot of fun um you get to see fred williamson just you know peak you know physical specimen that he was in 1975 yeah. just like owning every scene and just like the swagger is just crazy um and like i said i was kind of hoping for a little bit more pam greer but that was fine um because he you know he's he's solid and uh like i said that fight scene towards the end i was just like wow all right this is where we're um like the way you kind of would build to climaxes which i'll definitely point out with my main pick but like you just did it differently in the 70s than you do nowadays it's like set piece set piece set piece nowadays with maybe a little story strung along but this one, like you, you kind of you feel for the characters. You got little character arcs, and the, and it's not just like action, action, action. Like they're they're doing um, some atmosphere and some mood and some character development that uh, that I really dug. So, um, yeah, a couple months ago when I I got to um, do a a panel with Carl Weathers when he was in town for oh, one wow. of the, the uh, Comic Cons, um, there was somebody who asked about Bucktown, and I. Nice. I think his face, like his face lit up because he, you know, he's, he's just used to probably Rocky, you know, uh, oh, yeah. more and stuff like that. But he was just like, Oh, you're, you're going back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was kind of cool. I mean, and I wish obviously I hadn't seen it. So I, I just had to kind of roll with it and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but no, he, you could tell like he was actually generally, uh, either touched or moved you know yeah <laughs> one of those two <laughs> i wish i could remember now i don't think he's the one he fights at the end i think it's the um i think it's the roy character um but you know he there, there's plenty of beaten up <laughs> people in that so you get to see <laughs> carl weathers beating up some people in that one um his character's name is hambone um in it, which is <laughs> no it sounds pretty southern uh to me yeah. you're not going to get that in you know detroit 9000 or something so um, but <laughs> Uh, well, what did you pick, Mike? What is your your selection for Black Exploitation Volume Two? 
So, um, uh, you know, mutual friend of ours, Dave Huffman, um, uh, led me to this movie, um, which <laughs> came out in 1976. And uh, if I, if memory serves me correct, Dave has a poster of this this film in his house. Okay. Uh, it's called Black Shampoo. Meet Mr. Jonathan behind the wheel. He's got the feel. This dud is no dud. He's bad. He's mean. He's a loving machine. He's the height of fashion, the peak of passion. Sends gangsters crashing and women thrashing. Black shampoo. He's got the touch they love so much. You tell Mr. Jonathan that I left. If he won't do me, nobody will. Does Mr. Jonathan make house calls? Hello, lady. Artie taking good care of all of you? Artie just didn't have the equipment you have. He gives each pet a washing set. Men can't get him off their backs. Women can't get him out of their hair. So, <laughs> uh, this one was made for $50,000. And uh, one of the cool things, I think, is one of the credited cinematographers is Dean Coondy. Who, or Whoa, Cundy. really? Yeah, D- Coondy or Coondy, I, I always get it wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, who, of course, uh, went on to shoot uh, quite a few Spielberg films, Jurassic Park. Um, but uh, this one is basically about a uh, a barber who <laughs> is like has uh, a big penis uh, <laughs> and uh, and all of the, like the, the white ladies of the uh, of the area like to go there because. He washes their hair, but then usually he uh, has sex with them right. <laughs> while um, while he's doing that. And um, so uh, he eventually um, he has this new, um, uh, basically a new receptionist. She's only been working there for like three or four days uh, when the movie starts, and uh, we learn that uh, her ex is uh, a part of the mob, and in uh, the mob, like basically. Uh, ruins his uh, his store, like you know, beats up some of the workers, and um, you know, then of course he, uh, you know, he gets his revenge towards the end of the of the movie. Um, but uh, I thought this one was it was pretty fun just because of like how it was almost borderline, almost I w- I don't want to say pornographic, but you know, kind of like softcore porn sure. a little bit, you know, cause it's just like, anytime he meets somebody like, a wo- you know, these women just take off their tops <laughs> like, almost immediately. Uh, there's even one scene where like the daughters of this, this one, you know, they, they go meet them and they, you know, it, um, they're taking off their tops too. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but no, I, I mean, for the, the budget that this was made mm-hmm. and, you know, clearly, I mean, I, you know, I thought that it, it was, it did entertain me. Uh, I was also very surprised, you know, for 1976, you know, it had, uh, you know, kind of overtly or uh, openly gay characters, which I mean, to me in, in that time period, didn't seem like there was a lot, a lot of that. Um Especially not in like positive representation either. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was just, you know, the two hair, other hairdressers there. 
Um, you know, but uh, but no, I I did find it uh, quite entertaining. the The theme song at the at the beginning is uh, also uh, pretty entertaining. Um, I can't think of the all the exact lyrics at the moment, but uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully, you know, we can uh, splice it. We'll <laughs> drop in some, <laughs> drop in a little sample. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, um, certainly, uh, I'm glad that, uh, Dave, uh, suggested this one and, uh, you know, cause I, I do remember, uh, I like how sat for him before. And I just looked at that poster, like with like, kind of like, what is that? You know, <laughs> like, uh, so now I've finally taken that, taken that plunge, but, uh, I do like the, in the tagline of the poster, it's like, he's bad. He's mean. He's a loving machine. I mean, come on, that is, (laughs) that is like amazing. Uh, but once again, it's another one that is pretty short, uh, you know, probably like 80, 80 something minutes. Okay. Uh, pretty much all these are like so easily digestible because they're, Oh yeah. They're like, they're under 90 minutes. Um, so it's like, we could probably easily have a a part three down the line, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, just because of, all those but uh but yeah i i was uh i i thought this one was uh quite fun it's always been on my list to watch but i haven't actually ever clicked play but um now i'm 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 convinced i need to uh <laughs> yeah i need to click play on this one it's also of course i i think is it playing on um what is it 1974 1975 uh the warren Beatty shampoo i think um, yes i believe it is a riff on that okay um because it came out the year after that one. Okay. So I mean the plot uh, is essentially the same same thing. The hairdresser, yeah. except it's presumed that uh Warren Beatty is gay because he's a hairdresser, so that way he's able to get away with all of his sexual needs. Right. Right. Um I was kinda of wondering too, the sexual content of it, the way you said like it's not quite porn, but it kind of is around the edge of that, possibly. because uh, this is also the era like after Deep Throat and um, yeah, Miss Jones and that like the porn chic era is kind of around now. So it was a little bit easier, especially when you're making a $50,000 movie. It's it was a little bit easier to get away with a bit with a, a bit to a lot more sexuality in movies and people weren't exactly like clutching their pearls and freaking out about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, it was like this movie kind of leaned into that a little bit, too. Yeah, I will say uh, the, you know, the lead actor who has played John Daniels is his name. Um, he is not. I, I would not consider him the most seasoned actor, but you know he definitely he had a look, he had a presence, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I could I could completely understand why they they built this this movie around him. Um, but uh, but yeah, his line delivery at times is is a little um, you know laugh inducing just because it's it's not it's you know he's not Shakespearean or anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> on um on Wikipedia, he's listed as. Jonathan Daniels, known professionally as John Daniels, an American former actor, songwriter, producer, and club owner. So. <laughs> but like you said, you know, he's got he's got enough presence and uh you know, fill, fills fills the shoes and uh does does the job. So 
Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. That sounds like actually a lot of fun. Um, I wonder, because that, I wonder if it's almost even a subgenre. Cause like I mentioned Blackula earlier, like, yeah. And these are exploitation films, so it's just like, here's the black version of Dracula, here's the black version of Shampoo, here's the black version of, insert whatever here. Yeah. Um, may have to uh, poke around Letterboxd and see if anybody's put together a list like that, because that seems like, not, not, not exactly parody, but like riffing on or, yeah, immediate <laughs> remakes for uh, for a black or exploitation audience. <laughs> so, so which film did you end up picking? All right, so the one I ended up picking uh, actually hits a trifecta uh for me and also i was really trying to find um because i know you'd you'd mentioned uh off mic seeing slaughter well actually i think you mentioned it on mic in the last episode but you had mentioned like how much fun that one was and jim brown was like there's got to be another jim brown one out there i need to watch and i did find another jim brown one but it's not just jim brown we got jim brown in here we've got fred williamson in here and we've got jim kelly nice uh, right out of um, Enter the Dragon, um, you know, uh, Kung Fu Champion. So you've got Fred Williamson chomping on his cigar, you know, shooting up the bad guys. You've got uh, Jim Kelly doing, you know, karate and kung fu. That's all around the periphery or just straight up in a lot of black exploitation films. There's a kung fu fascination here, fascination here. And you've got Jim Brown again, 1974, Three the Hard Way. Jim Brown. Fred Williamson. Jim Kelly. They've done it before on their own. This one's too big to handle alone. You know, man, you come to town, I know there's going to be trouble. Brown, Williamson, Kelly, the big three. Together for the first time, they do it their way. Three the hard way. Three cities and three of us. So you cover from kind of three different also uh, action uh, elements in there as well, which is kind of fascinating. And it's directed by Gordon Parks Jr. Not senior, but Gordon Parks Jr. Who gave us uh, Superfly, this one and a couple others before he uh, died tragically in his forties, I think it was like in a plane crash. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, it's, it's, it would have been interesting to see where junior would have gone knowing what uh, yeah. his dad's career was um, as well. But this plot is also bonkers, which I really enjoy. <clears throat> um, I think in my, uh, my, uh, my letterbox notes for it was like, it's a seventies movie that, also has it's a seventies black exploitation movie that also has uh science fiction uh karate and neo nazis uh, what, what, what else do you need to make it bonkers right um so all three of them uh it's a cold open uh which we mentioned in our, our title sequences recently uh episode cold open and then like seven eight minutes in is when you get the title sequence you're like all right i already forgot we needed titles this is really awesome <laughs> You get them all their separate stories, but basically uh, Jim Brown's girlfriend is kidnapped by the neo-Nazis. And what ends up happening is the neo-Nazis have figured out a way. uh, It's like a chemical of some sort that they're going to put into the water supply and they're going to target the black population for genocide. So they're going to kill off, uh, you know, very cut and dry, good guy, bad guy here. You know, you got neo-Nazis who want to kill off the black population in America. They're going to start by poisoning uh, it's a serum, they call it, uh, a serum into the water system in D.C., Detroit, and Los Angeles. And so 
Um, I mean, not all the ins and outs of the plot, but basically you've got all three characters. They come together to help each other out. We're going to take out these Nazis and then they divide up because they have to go save each individual city. But then they come back together for this crazy action climax that honestly kind of just goes on and on. Like it's a good like 10, 12 minute, like crazy action set piece um, where they're confronting the, uh, the Nazis together. And so you got, you know, you've got Jim Kelly in there doing Kung Fu. You've got uh, Jim Brown and Fred Williamson with, um, you know, Williamson's got his big cigar. They've got various guns. They're throwing grenades. They're just blowing shit up. It's uh, it's an absolute, absolute blast. Um, you've got, uh, I think it's Jim Jim Brown's character is also a record producer. the The band, The Impressions, which was Curtis Mayfield's band, uh, The Impressions yeah. do the music for it, and then they're also in it um, <laughs> at some point. Um, it's just it's it's bonkers and a lot of fun. But basically, what you get is you get Brown, Williamson, and Kelly killing a bunch of Nazis <laughs> and saving the day. So it's awesome, um, and it's really well directed uh, action. You know, Parks Junior. Um, well, maybe not the filmmaker that his father was like solid, you know, action filmmaker. Yeah. you've got, you know, Superfly is a solid, you know, very urban crime action film. And, um, this one definitely takes it up a notch in the action department. Um, <laughs> it moves at a clip. It's like 80, 85 minutes. Like you said, these aren't really long ones. Um, they've got all the charisma you need in those three leads. Um, it's, it's, a uh, it's a really good time. I don't know. I, I highly, uh, highly recommend this one. Yeah. You know, that's definitely going on. <laughs> I mean, God, that and sounds. I think, I think oh, it's that been um, awesome too. Oh yeah, the poster is one of those. Like, I kind of want to buy this poster. Um, <laughs> there's a uh, there's a horizontal one where it's just an explosion in the middle, and all three dudes are just up there, just like, oh my God, just kicking ass. I think Williamson even got his cigar in the poster, and Jim Brown's just there with like a machine gun. Oh man, it's just it's great. It's great. It sucks that in 2023 you get vicarious thrills out of watching these guys kill a bunch of Nazis, but you know here we are, <laughs> is what it is. But then also, I I sh- I should have written this down. I think is it uh, the Wayans brothers did, or one of the Wayans brothers did, like a black exploitation parody yes. movie. I'm gonna get you sucker. I'm gonna get you sucker. I think is like yeah. is a riff on this movie. Yeah, or from this. Yeah, this one. Um, I, I it. It was mentioned in a review I was reading about it too, where I was like, "Oh, okay, well, that's that sounds awesome." Which I think Jim Brown is in. I haven't seen. I'm going to get you sucker in a while, but I have not seen it in a long time. But I think you are correct. Yeah, he is in it. He okay, is in it. I feel like it was one of those where they got like you know him and Isaac Hayes and you know folks of the era to, to you know original gangster style. You know, come back yeah. and uh, let's have some fun with this genre that you all uh, invented, created, and starred in. So. <laughs> It says it also inspired uh, a movie that I, I really enjoyed. It, it was, I think I was like a senior in high school when it came out, but Undercover Brother with Eddie Griffin. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I haven't thought about that in a while. I think, is it Chris Kattan is in there too? Yes. It was an interesting yeah. era of Saturday Night Live movies that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, that's awesome. Um, I don't think I'm going to go back and rewatch that one, but I definitely feel like rewatching <laughs> I'm going to get you sucker at this point. So. <laughs> So it sounds like we both have a couple of solid, uh, solid recommends uh, coming off of this uh, dive into black exploitation. Yes, I, you know, part partially, I wish that um, I don't know. I I just enjoy like short action films that just get right to the point. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's like, it, in this summer, you know, watching the blockbusters, it's like everything 
is two and a half hours almost. Or just part one and it's two and a half hours. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, don't get me wrong. Like stuff like Mission Impossible. I love that. I, you know, I'm also, I'm a sucker for the fast movies as I might've spoken on this podcast about before, True. but it's like, I wish there was some slight return to, to filmmaking like that, where they make these kind of these movies economically mm-hmm. and they're, they're digestible. But I mean, maybe that would just be a straight to streaming type of thing in this climate, uh, maybe straight to Tubi. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I would embrace those, you know, just because, you know, these thing, these films were just, I think fun and they knew that they would probably get a good reaction from their intended audiences. Oh yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. And all these years later, it's still, still working. It's magic uh, exactly on the audience. So, yeah, I mean, even, I feel like even some of the straight to streaming action stuff I've seen is still like, I mean, I think you just need a different editor. Like, why is this straight to yeah. streaming, you know, movie two hours and 15 minutes just because it's streaming doesn't mean you can't just do a solid 85, 90 minute, you know, in and out kind yeah. of movie. I don't need 20 minutes of exposition. Just get no. straight to kicking ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's what we're here for. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then even, even in some of these, I don't know if it applies to anything that you watched for this one, but when there's a romantic subplot, it's not some long drawn out romantic subplot. It's maybe like little flirt, you know, you hook up, you rescue the person. Like it's, it's still like just like a little bit of a character flavor to it. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be this, I don't know, standalone, like, you know, five scene (laughs) character arc between these two. Like, no, 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 no. Just, we need to know they care for each other, that they click. Uh, Somebody's in trouble. Somebody gets saved credits. Like we're good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Not that difficult (laughs) folks, but uh so our official watch challenge picks for uh, Black Exploitation Part Two is Black Shampoo from 1976 and Three the Hard Way from 1974. Aaron, what challenge do we have in front of us for next time? So next time, uh, I thought let's do a random date generator again. We did uh, once I think when you picked 1981, and we just looked at a calendar year and uh, picked out uh, some films from that. I wanted to do that one again. Uh, I'll get into why on our next episode, but I picked the year uh, 1999, uh, which is going to be a little bit different, I think, than when we did 81, because we were both actively, obsessively watching movies in 99. So I I think we're going to have to dig in on this one. (laughs) I think it's going to be that's going to be interesting. See what we can find for uh, watching a, a film we have not seen from 1999. If you'd like to suggest a topic or if you have a film from 1999 that you particularly like um, or you like something covered on a future show, please email us at watchchallengepodcast at gmail.com or look at the links in the show notes. Indeed. And until next time, folks, rate and review the show and whatever podcast app you are using, and we'll see you all with the next challenge. Bye. Bye.